You have to be willing to fall short of your goals sometimes. You have to be willing to be disappointed because it's when we fail, it's when we're disappointed, it's when we fall short that we learn and we grow the most. Welcome to the Beck and Siri Show. And here at Team Series Tri Club, it's not just about swim, bike, run. It's about who you become. On our show, we don't just talk to you about swimming, cycling, and running. We talk about mindset. We talk about fearless authenticity and being your very best self. Hi, everybody. We missed you guys. Series back too. How is everyone? We're fired up to be back live. Um, hopefully, you've enjoyed the last few weeks of our we had special some amazing guests. Amazing, Mary Carmen, and we had doing a nutrition a couple of weeks ago. And we had awesome. Norma Tech with Maddie last week. She was amazing. I know we had some technical difficulties. And then we had our new nutrition, nutrition sponsors. So, guys, we hope you this interactive today, guys. I'm hoping everyone can see us. Welcome. Sorry, I think it just only just came on. So I want to start because I had a thought uh, in the shower. Uh-oh. Oh, no. I mean, just, you know, how not, you think when you're in the shower. We're not excited here. No. But I'm wondering, um, I want to kind of talk about the big okay. F word. Um, the big F word meaning failure. Mm. When you say that word, it's like we, we crinkle up and we freak out and we get tense and anxious and fearful. Um, but I think one of the things uh, that we need to understand about failing is, first of all, we all define failure differently. Like, what is failing? If you, growing, you know, missed your alarm and you missed your session today, does that make you a failure? I, absolutely not. Because every other day, you are probably, you know, one, the top 10% in the world of people that are committed to getting up every single day to train and become better and strive to achieve your goals. Like just because you missed one day, does that make you a failure? Absolutely not. So the fail, you have to be willing to fall short of your goals sometimes. You have to be willing to be disappointed because it's when we fail, it's when we're disappointed, it's when we fall short that we learn and we grow the most. And that learning, that growth is what leads to the progress that actually takes us to achieving our ultimate goal. So we all need to understand, and I think it's important to teach to our children and all the people around us that there is no road to success that is perfectly paved. On every road to success, there's gonna be speed bumps, there's gonna be detours, there's gonna be dead ends, and it's during those moments that we learn and grow the most, and that get allows us to make the progress necessary to achieve our ultimate goal. So how about embracing failure, whatever your definition of it is, and understanding that it's an essential part of achieving great success. And as far as achieving anything spectacular or, or anything that you believe is special, um, you've got to be willing to fail. You've got to be willing to risk, and you've got to be willing to say, um, like I always say, my motto is I'm either winning or I'm learning. Hey, Rosalind. And if you look at it that way, you'll be willing to take more risks. You'll embrace failure as a learning opportunity. And you will have a much more fulfilling, satisfying, and enjoyable uh, experience on your way to achieving your goals. I okay. hope that helps. 
that was a great introduction because I'm going to go back and off a completely different tangent to welcome some new members. And the first one is Aaron from the Philippines. I don't know how to say his last name. I think it's it's U-N-A-B-I-A. -A. In Australia, we'd say Unabi. But I'm going to welcome Aaron from the Philippines. I'm Hi, really Aaron. Welcome. I'm really excited to have Aaron. I'm actually going to be coaching him one-on-one. -on -one. Um, he has taken my last spot for this year um, unless somebody decides they want to leave. But I only have 15 athletes. So he's coming on board with me. Um, he'd been on a wait list. And I'm really excited to have him as my one-on-one -on -one athlete. And his goals are he has not trained since August. So that's going to be actually exciting for me because he's going to improve really, really quickly. I said, what have you done swim, bike, run-wise? He said, nothing since August. I'm like, right, this is, this is good. This is good. We have a lot to work with. So Aaron, welcome. I'm excited to have you, Christine Caldwell and Sarah Pierce Gleck. I, th I think it's Sarah Pierce Geek. I don't know how to say that. Excellent. Welcome, guys. We have a couple of other newbies. I don't want to miss them. Siri, do you want to take just take it away for one second while I try and find these other new members? So I really want to welcome you, everybody. Uh, joining the team. We hope that not only will oh, you yes, get some incredible content here, but that you'll truly feel a part of our family, a part of our tribe. At every single race that you go to, there will be other Team Serious Tri Club members. It's an awesome way to network, to find training partners, to have support going into races. So we really hope that you embrace the entire culture here. Hi, Janet. And that it brings you a lot of joy and excitement. I found two more. Our Europeans, I almost forgot. So Vond officially got her first two athletes, yeah, although she doesn't officially lucky. start till March 1st. Awesome. Um, Aaron and Normad, they're both, um, I think they're both from Germany and they've just started with Yvonne, so two one-on-one -on -one athletes. Wow, and that's Troy just be got a new athlete today too. I think his name was, I think it was Norman. I don't know, that's a Normad and a Norman. I'm not 100% sure, but if Troy jumps on, he can welcome him. But we just got three amazing. new athletes in the last day, so that's Welcome, you guys. And I have an announcement because I have- Hi, Gabby Herrera. Spot just opened up on my squad. If you're interested, please email me the you're, reasons you're why. You're taking on a new one-on-one -on -one athlete? One one-on-one -on -one oh, athlete. I didn't know this. Email me at Siri underscore Lindley at yahoo.com and let me know. Before you do, Siri, you've got six people on a wait list, so you actually need to check with me first. I know, but I'm going with my heart right okay, now. Okay, well, she has six people on a wait list, so this is not guaranteed. <laughs> it is. We're I'm going to guarantee it. it. I'm going to guarantee it right now because All what right. I'm going to want to hear from you when you email me is tell me why. Oh, they why. have to be a club member. That's perfect. T yeah, you have to be a club member. Because these other guys actually aren't club They're not members, club members yet, yet. So, right. so tell me why um, you think we would make an amazing team. Tell me why you're passionate about wanting to achieve your goals. And tell me what you think has held you back up until this point of truly tapping into your inner greatness. But I have one spot available, guys. I'd love to offer it to a Team Serious Tri Club member. Write me, Siri underscore Lindley at yahoo.com, and I cannot wait to hear She can't back down on that now, you. so I am the vouching <laughs> for hearing that because there's going to be a couple of other people that will be disappointed. But well, they're they not. Know. There's only one that's an official And they won't member, know because so. they're not in the club. Okay, well, we'll keep that one quiet. Yeah. Hi, Laura. How are you? And I know Laura's just started with... Uh, Maddie. Maddie Pesh. Yeah, so. that's going to be an amazing yeah. combination, guys. That's and if exciting. Troy, if Troy's on, let's wait because he may have a really big announcement and I don't want to spoil his party by announcing it. No, but we you have can't a big announcement from Troy. So hopefully Troy will announce it while we're on here. And if he doesn't, we're going to have to wait till after the live chat. Hey, but, let's give some love to Ellie Salthouse, guys. Second. First race of the season in uh, Geelong, Australia, second place. She took the race by the throat, got off the bike she was riding 
with an unbelievably strong group of girls, two other girls, Caroline Steffen and Radka Kalafeld, yep. got off on the run and took off like a bat out of hell and was gonna just hold that as long as she possibly could. She held on for about, I think it was 18K. Radka That's right Kalafeld where Liz Blatchford caught me that year. Caught her at that point. And Ellie held on strong to run. run a 122 at the end of the day, um, finishing in second place. So she had a stellar start to the season. I used to always find, and you can tell me, Beck, if you agree, but my first race of the season, I struggled. You know, I went in, I would always wonder, like, am I fit? I Have I done the work? It. Am I ready to race? And you haven't had, like, that hard an effort for that extended period of time. I knew it was going to hurt. So for me, I always kind of um, had a lot of nerves around that first race of the season. So to Hi, see Helen. Ellie really just Lindsay. brilliantly execute. Are you listening? Yeah, I'm just saying hi to everybody. Brilliantly execute hi, that race. Um, and with such spirit and feistiness and courage, I'm so proud of her and just so super excited for what's to come. It's a really hard too because oh, I know the guys rode 211 and she rode 220. And I remember there when I was, we bludged a little bit, but it was like a 226. I was pretty slow. So she was only nine minutes, 10 minutes off the guys. And Javi Gomez. Javier Gomez. Javier yeah. Gomez is one of the quickest riders in the sport. So she had a great day and he ran, I think, 111. So, and that's bloody fast. He's the best runner in the sport. So the girls are really close to the guys. And that's where you can really tell where the standard's there. When you've got someone like a four, five, Five, six, whatever time world champion, and Ellie's that close at the start of the season. I actually loved racing after time off. I just had some of my best races after eight months off. Like, I just was so fired up and ready to race. I never felt like I was cleaning out the cobwebs, but probably because I was always so fit, I very rarely took very much time off, so I didn't lose much fitness over winter. I think that's some of the mistakes these guys, before they joined the club, used to make was over winter. People think they just do nothing or base miles, and that's a big mistake, and hopefully you've learned that... Over winter is the time to you still got to add in little like spice keep it up a little bit, a little bit of speed, strength. Like you've got to keep adding stuff in, not just do long, slow, aerobic, easy work. Like it can for a couple of weeks, but not for three or four months. It just, it just you'll lose too much fitness. So. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's also staying in contact with that feeling of pushing hard, that feeling of discomfort, because you also don't want hey, ha want to have to regain your pain threshold. And if you don't get uncomfortable at all in the off season when it's time to race and you have to get uncomfortable for multiple hours mm. it's really hard so what i try and do is maintain um work on their pain threshold but in much smaller doses so that they're ready to go hard on race day but i'd love to also talk about you know ellie led the swim out with radka califel and I think back to when I started coaching Ellie, what was it, about seven years ago. Was and it? No, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it was. We've been together for a long, long time. No, it was about two years after I joined. Five so it was years? about five years ago. Okay, five years. Yeah. And um, her weakness, or so she said, was her swim. And we took her from a really long, Same slow stroke to upping her her stroke rate and her power and her catch and her deep pull and her powerful finish Hi, Mike. and now Mikey. guys she's one of the top swimmers in 70.3 racing um leading out nearly every swim that she's done in these races so that is such a testament to not only her determination 
and her relentlessness, but her willingness to learn, her willingness to, to change her stroke entirely and to believe in our philosophies, to believe in what we do, to believe in what we believe in, to take her to all new levels of performance. And the same thing happened with you, Beck, so you get it. Yeah, someone asked me the other day, um, they wanted to get some stroke correction from a swim coach that was doing like three hours worth of full immersion swimming. And I said, no. I said, because they're gonna tell you to swim like a pool swimmer, they're gonna tell you to stretch out and go long. And like that, that what's that swimmer, the ocean swimmer? And it's just really not conducive. If you haven't been an incredible collegiate pool swimmer, and even then, these guys, like Siri met Michael Phelps, and he said he gets his ass kicked in open water and we've talked about this before and I want to touch on it because everybody mentions this almost every week we get questions and why do you have a straight arm why do you have fast stroke rate why do you breathe by not everyone has straight arm by the way no guys. but it's, it's what you want to enter as far out as possible and you want to have a strong deep catch fast stroke rate fast turnover and bilateral breathing and all of those things there's so many reasons why but it's all because we're open water swimmers there's chop there's looking up there's siding there's buoys there's packs that you've got to get around and navigate um and when there's choppy water you can't have a long slow gliding stroke rate unless it's dead flat calm and even then like i would not i've never seen anyone lucy charles is a perfect example probably the fastest swimmer in the females in the sport her three tips were fast stroke rate um good entry and exit deep catch bilateral breathing it's exactly what we talk about so. awesome yeah. yeah awesome nice to know we're spot on we had a question about sickness um sarah hardy actually is one of my gold athletes so sarah's asked siri about training with razor blade in her throat, Sarah, you need to email your coach, who is me, and ask her because <laughs> I love that you're asking though because she probably doesn't want to bother me. No training. No. At you... least one to three days off. I would say at least one day and see how you wake up, but most likely if it's in your throat, I would say you need at least and three days. And you need to cook our magical chicken body. soup. Let's tell them the recipe instead of sending well, it Well, okay, it's so really I will easy. give the recipe, but, but one thing first, Sarah, let me ask you. Would you rather have, like, train through just keep training because you're so damn tough, which actually it's showing that you're not as tough as you think you are if you can't anyway. not rest. Mm. Even though I know you're smart, so don't worry. I'm not, not putting you down. I think you're amazing. She's but smart girl. I think, so let me ask you this. Would you rather <laughs> keep no training and be sick like 60% for the next like, three weeks? Yeah, even longer. Or would you rather have two to three days off and be Take back a hundred million percent able to train and race your utmost potential in basically three days. And I say that to my athletes, if they have a niggle and it's like, oh, I just want to finish this session. I'm like, okay, do you want to just miss this session and be back running tomorrow? Or do you want to get through this session and be injured and running in the pool mm -hmm. in deep water yeah. for the next two months? So you got to like gauge that. Ask yourself an intelligent question when you're trying to decide what to do, but razor blades in your throat, not good. Take that time off and cook our chicken soup. I know you're gonna think we're nuts. It and works, I'm I told her I laughed at her and her mom because her mom said there's antibiotics in chicken which doesn't exist anymore, but I don't care what it is, even if it's psychological, it freaking works every time. It works. But mind you, I almost had to make her sleep in the spare room because, whoo! But the garlic actually, breath ask Ellie Salthouse, who uses it every time she starts feeling anything okay, she cooks up the soup. So you get, you buy. Write this down, write this I down. I would prefer an organic raw Uncooked. chicken. Yeah. Take the insides out. Otherwise, I once cooked it and found, I was like, what is this in my soup? And it was all the gizzards. <laughs> okay, so organic, or it doesn't have to be organic, just a organic raw chicken. Organic is good. Organic is organic. Fill a big, huge um, soup cooking 
pot with water about halfway full. Throw in back legs to throw in like six chicken. You actually have to fill it to the top of the chicken. Yeah, yeah. So six uh, chicken bouillon cubes. Twenty of them in. Okay. I I use like ten. Like ten. Okay. So if you want to feel bloated, don't drive bloated. (laughs) Then you can put more bloated anyway. (laughs) Okay. So you heat up the water, get it boiling with the bouillon cubes. Throw in the raw chicken. Throw in whatever else you want. Carrots, cabbage. Cabbage is amazing. Um. You know, if you want to put some noodles in there, whatever you want to have in there, but healthy stuff. Here's the kicker. You want to put in about 30, yeah, three zero to 40, four zero garlic (laughs) cloves raw and stick them in there. If you want, you can chop them up. Okay, so you don't have to like eat them. But I actually love the taste of like a cooked garlic that's been, you know, brewing. So 30 to 40 garlics. Three full onions, chop it up. Three? I use like one. Well, it depends on how big they are. If they're like normal kind of smaller ones, do three. If you've got big ones, one to two. Chop it up, fine. Throw that in. I said that carrots, cabbage, whatever else. Cabbage. Put the cap on. Well, wait, I use chicken noodle, like a chicken noodle soup, but it's the powdered form. That gives it a little more flavor. Oh, that's how you made it, so yummy. Yeah, one packet of chicken noodle soup, the powdered form. Okay, so put the top on, guys. One hour to an hour and ten minutes. I'm usually, like, drinking the broth after about 45. Make sure it's cooked. You'll get really sick. Here's what you do. You drink that soup All all day long. Anytime you have more space... For more soup, you drink another cup. And you'll cup. have a lot of air and gas. You're going to so have, you know, and I apologize because it is, breath is disgusting. It's like really gross. If so you just, just started dating someone, I would not recommend it because you put them off. Stay home and tell them you're sick and yeah, you can't see him sick. or her. So drink that soup all day long. The Hello, next day, have Hello, it for Lucy. breakfast, have it for lunch. You may think I'm crazy, but ask Ellie Salthouse, ask Troy Romero, ask Marinda Carfrey, who did not believe me for so it many years. Worked. Finally, she started doing it, and she would kick her sickness within, you know, a day or two. Janet, it I can works. attest the chicken soup recipe does work, and we really still don't uh, really know yeah. how it works. Um, what was I going to say just then? Something. Oh, now, I just saw Lucy Lustgraves. I don't know how to say her last name, but she just came on. Now, she is West, she, I just want to thank her because I haven't thanked her personally on here yet. She's sponsoring one of our little horses, Stormy. Oh, so thank Lucy, you. We love you. you. Oh, my God. Stormy's adorable. You're going to fall in love. He is love. a feisty little bugger. <laughs> we're going to be sending out social media medals. Um, we're trying to figure out how to get this done where you actually no, have the medal on your, on your Facebook, Facebook to, or say you to say who you sponsor and that you sponsor an animal. So thank well, we you. Got to, awesome. We talk about horses too much, so we can't say anything. Anything yeah, other, than, other than our documentary has been posted, so please share it if you can. Raise Go to awareness. our Believe Ranch and Rescue link and please share our documentary because what it is, it's about like horses being slaughtered and that we have to get the awareness out there so we can stop this awful treatment. It's just of about horses. raising awareness. So, yeah. so the more you share it, the more people That's, see we're it. We're going to talk about horses now. We're not going to do that. Yeah. Okay, we have a question okay. from Amy Tony Lovings. And Amy's Hi, Amy. Been an You're an awesome. active member of our club. Yes. I love this girl. Um, and she wants to know that this Siri would have both always have so many tips on this. I did post Amy for you if you're watching a link to um siding drill that Ellie and I did in the mm-hmm. pool back when I could swim. And um it's a really good uh video. And also the other thing you can do, um, and Siri can talk more about is the hypoxic drill to practice and train your body to be in the hypoxic state. So she's asking, um, how do I not swat swallow water and how do I get used to like the beach starts? So should we do the beach starts first? 
Um, well, one thing on the swallowing water, just because it's on the tip of my tongue, is make sure you're exhaling under the water. Because a lot of people will swallow water inadvertently when they move their head out of the water and they inhale and exhale, and you're inhaling the water. Now, if you're talking about, you know, getting swallowing water when it's rough, that's just going to happen. It does. Yeah. And you just need to understand that it's going to happen. Don't freak out. It happens to everyone. Um, and just be prepared. The more you prepare for the fact that it may happen, then it kind of takes the anxiety away. Um, beach start. So the beach start, it depends. Um, I, uh, I don't love them, but I think you kind of need to firstly seed yourself of where you think you should be. And if you're like a back of the pack swimmer, like try to stick more to say the middle, for example. Um, but I think beach starts, the big thing is getting your legs wide and look up like a strain surf life-saving swim start or something, because those guys know how to get out and wade through water. And it's just a matter of how you're lifting your legs. So the beach start, you got to run into the water. And it is really important to like lift your legs wide into the side. And I can't really show it, but um, I'll try and find something to show you because that's really important. You don't just run in the water normal. You actually have to flick your legs out to the side. But I think as soon as you get to your waist level and make sure you're at your waist or you'll hit your chest onto the ground of the, the, the sand, but you want to be um, duck diving and grabbing the dolphin sand. Dolphin diving. Yeah, I call it duck diving. But you grab the sand or dolphin diving and you pull yourself over the sand and then I'll have to find a good demonstration of that because it is really important to practice that I think um, but practicing the hypoxic state I think is really important too because the deep water start or the even the beach start you get really anxious and you can get pushed under so Siri does this amazing hypoxic drill that she can explain and it trains your body to be used to the hypoxic state and know how to deal with it. It recognizes and goes, oh, I'm used to that. I know how to deal with that. Um, and you get over that anxiety. So tell Great way of explaining ways that. we do it. Um, I like to do it sometimes with fast 25s in the pool. Mary uh, Carmen loves with plenty that. of rest. <laughs> like 25 as fast as you can go with as few breaths as hey, possible. Now the goal here, and the reason why we're not doing a hundred, you know, no breathing, is that just because if you did that in the race, you'd die. Well, that's yeah. just dangerous. But what we want to replicate is that feeling, start of the race, that anxiety. You know, your heart rate's pounding. You know, there's people all around you, so maybe you're not getting in as much air as you would like. Um, and like Beck said, your body gets used to that, recognizes that feeling, and doesn't it stress really anymore works. because you've practiced it so many times. So it's like doing, say. 1225s as fast as you can go with as few breaths as possible on with a minute. Lots of rest. Lots of rest. And Siri has them like four in one lane, sometimes more. So to they're make actually it even more used intense. to getting that. And I remember that people that hated it was Nicole and Mary Carmen. They just, they already had anxiety thinking about it. And I hated it too. But mm. I know that for a fact that I even had anxiety as a pretty decent swimmer and that definitely helped me like you need to even if you're on your own just practice no breathing and you almost go to the point where you don't go to the point where you pass out but you go no. to the point where you feel like oh, 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 oh i'm struggling and then just go bit. one more stroke your brain recognizes i need i need a breath i'm desperate one nancy more stroke. then have a then hi nancy so one other thing to go along with that uh swim start beach start as a coach i can stand on the sideline and know whether my athlete is going to have a great swim or a bad swim. And here's how I know. My athletes that's moving around and breathing, like really taking nice deep breaths, maybe talking, maybe laughing, but breathing, I know that they're probably gonna have a great swim. And then I'll look at an athlete and hopefully, I mean, mine don't really do <laughs> I know this someone anymore. someone used to do that, but I'm not gonna Because say they know was. better. They'd stand like stiff as a board. Yeah, I have a former athlete that would just be- I'd stare and hold their breath. Like holding their breath. <gasps> 
and not breathing, not moving, and that stiffness, that kind of self-paralyzing yourself and not breathing will mean that when the gun goes off, you're already semi-hypoxic. You're already limiting what you can give at the start of that race. So the easiest, easiest advice I can give you guys, when you're on the start line, even move, move, crack move. a joke, laugh, even if you don't feel funny and you're nervous as hell and you're afraid, just, distract just yourself. make yeah. a joke. Sounds you know, crazy. talk, it's laugh, kind of counterintuitive because you think you should be just staring like and, you do at the swim yeah, start no. of like a move your arms around. race. Like you watch the swimmers and they're laser focused, but they're not allowed to move. But, but they're moving around. The best they're thing doing to this. do is they're to going, move <laughs> and to crack a joke. I remember yeah. my granddad told me a joke at the start of the race for Shepparton. I'm well, I'd already won it a few times, but I had the best time ever because it got rid of the nerves straight away. Yeah. Think of something like do a fart. I don't know. Do something. Maybe don't do a fart. Just breathe and move <laughs> around, guys. That movement. That consistent breathing is going to truly allow you, when the gun goes off, to just get in the zone and perform. And a good warm potential. up if you can. If you can't warm up, there's no fucking excuse. Oh, excuse me. But get the bands and use your arms for like a few minutes at a time. Like, don't like not uh, warm up. Like, there's no excuse. Even if you run on the spot or run or um, do something, like really keep moving. Get the blood pumping for as long as you can till they kind of hold you there and say stand still. But still keep moving. Throw your arms around. I used to remember I was always hit people in the face because I'd be like spinning my arms, jumping on the spot. Keep your towel on if you're, it's cold and really, really cold. Keep your towel on and around you. Um, if you have to go the to other, the bathroom, number just one, go just tinkle, suit. just go. The other thing um, to practice for um, training that hypoxic state and that anxiety that really works is, um, and I'm laughing because Nancy came on, because her and Vanessa, they told me how they used to do it. And what it is, it's like, it's a, it's a fart leg set that we do sometimes in the warm up. We're really giving our tips away now, but it's a fart leg set. And you guys would have seen this if you do our program. And fart leg for us in the pool is always series. This is a serious invention, but it's 25 fast, 75 easy, 50 fast, 50 easy, 25 fast, 75 easy, 100 fast, 100 easy. That change in pace also helps because you're not really warmed up, and that will help as well. And the other thing is um, a hypoxic breathing. We do like a 5-200. Sometimes we do pool boy bound, but sometimes we do it swim. I think you should mix it up. And it's 50 breathe every third. 50 breathe every third, 50 breathe every fifth stroke, 50 breathe every seventh stroke. And then in that seventh stroke, you're in a pretty hypoxic state. That last 50, you then build to a sprint. So you're training, your body, as much as you hang on. you're training your body to go from breathing every three, every five, every seven is a struggle for people. And sometimes you might have to go seven, then two, then seven, then two for 50. And then build into a sprint because you're training your body to go, oh my God, I'm out of breath, but it's okay. I'll build into a sprint. And that's a 200 meters. So it's four fifties. It's 200 broken up into four fifties. Mm -hmm. And I remember Nancy and Ness thought that um, they it was 14 strokes because they thought it was one, two, three, four. Four, five, six, seven. And Vanessa kept saying, I can't make the seven. I said, you should be able to make that by now. And I realized she was doing 14. Oh, and geez. I was like, oh, my God. I have to give Amazing. you mouth to mouth resuscitation. <laughs> that's hilarious. But that's another one. Hopefully that helped you guys. Let's see. Leanna, hello. Hi, Leanna. Carrie's on. Oh, hi, Carrie. Um, um, what else? What else? There was somebody else just asked something then. Let me go back and check. If you me. guys missed this first part, yeah. go back and listen. We've yeah. had some great content tonight. So mm -hmm. go back oh, yeah. and watch from the start. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Janet Dixon always asks great questions because everybody usually wants to know the answer to it. She's, she's talking about, and I know we have a lot of videos on band only and I have to find them and post them again because we're always posting them. But Band only, and I love it because people, when they see us with the band, they go, but they're kicking. It's it's 
Sometimes we do do a little dolphin kick and that is okay. We're not saying, and this is the thing with with band only though, remember your legs shouldn't be dragging on the bottom of the pool. You shouldn't be cleaning the bottom of the pool. But in the beginning when you first use it, they will Let me finish. No, I'm trying to help her. She's saying that's what it's doing. So her feet are dragging, hitting the bottom of the pool. So one thing I know is that people put their band on and they make it so tight that their legs are like this, right? They're so close together. When you swim, your legs aren't like this. So I always say make sure the band's loose enough so they're hip, almost not hip width apart, but they're where they be when you're normally kicking. Because if you try and do it like that, you're not really simulating your body position. So I want you to try and have the band so that you have a little bit of movement. And every now and then, it's just a flutter kick like that for me, just to get my hips up, but it's only every three or four strokes. And it's not really cheating because the idea is to have deep, strong catch. It's not really about not kicking. It's more about fast, strong catch bilateral breathing is a good way to practice that but janet the big tips i would say for you would be to keep your head down look at the bottom of the pool that will automatically bring your legs up because if you're looking up your legs are going to sink more and if you're taller it's harder if you're muscular it's harder so and so a few things that was awesome beck um if you on your plan have like eight 100s band only and you can't make it then turn that into 1650s or turn that into 3225s. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like to do with the band, when I first get an athlete, I'll put them in the pool with the band on, you know, in a position that's that's keeping it natural, but they're not allowed to, to kick. And what I want to see is what does this athlete's body do naturally to keep their legs afloat and to keep them moving forward? That's going to give me so much crucial information when I'm thinking about, okay, what kind of a stroke is going to work best for this athlete? What kind of a stroke is going to see them continually improving, getting stronger, efficient, and faster every single day? Mm-hmm. So the band is, is a great it's a tool. It's a, it gives us so much information as coaches. And that's why in the beginning, I will not allow my athletes to kick with that band on no freaking way because I want to see what is your body doing naturally mm-hmm. so that I can come up with a plan that's going to work, that's going to create the absolute most incredible swimmer inside of you. So hopefully that makes sense. But I, I do um... know with my athletes, like they're like, oh, I couldn't do, you know, the eight 100s band, so I put my pool buoy in. no. Don't put the pool buoy in, just change it to 25s if you have to. And do the same amount of distance, but just cut it down so that you can stop, reset, build up yep. your strength, stop, reset, build up your strength, and really do it right. Because that band work, guys, it is like gold. It will take you, the minute you can swim 800 band only, I'm, some of that you may not even lot. be able to ma- yeah. like imagine that because maybe you can't even make 25. I couldn't make 25 when I started. But I tell you what, when I could swim 800 band only, I my swim, I had dropped, you know, 10 seconds per 100. It is a reflection of an improved swim. I guarantee it. We have been using this for years. It works. It's amazing. And Jenna, I would say the biggest tips for you would be um, keep your eyes at the bottom. And even when you're swimming normal, normally, if you're not an incredible collegiate ex-swimmer or whatever, the best thing to be to look is to look kind of like a few feet in front of you. Only like, say... I would say no more than three to four feet in front of you and no higher. Um, you don't really want the, the the water like here because that automatically makes your legs sink a little. So if you're kind of more of a non-swimmer and didn't learn to swim until a little bit later on, I would have your head down, especially with band only. I always have my head almost straight down to the bottom. That will bring your feet up. 
fast stroke rate, deep, strong catch. And when we say deep, strong, don't pull it out early. Who was I watching the other day? Someone sent me a video and they were coming out really early because they were trying to get their hands over quick, but you can still get your hand in deep and finish quick if you have more of a straighter arm and push the water back behind you, send it under your body, back behind you. Sarah says go deep and that's what she means. She means go really deep on the catch and it can be hard when you're taller and longer and leaner to have that fast stroke and a deep catch, but I think, um, Janet, you shouldn't have a problem with that. As you get stronger and build up your strength and build up your power, it becomes easier to hold that higher stroke rate and maintain the depth and power of your stroke. Okay. Um, oh, Sarah, awesome question. Tips for Port Macquarie 70.3. Oh, I love that course. Yeah, I love you know that course. That. I won the Australian Ironman Championships on that course. So I love yeah. that course. Yeah. You broke the record, didn't you? Isn't that where you won the rookie record? No, that was in Bustleton. Oh. Um, so that was awesome. That was Caroline Steffen's first ever Ironman. I remember her, the poor thing was like crying at the end and she said, this is the most painful thing I've ever done. I said, it doesn't get any easier. Oh. <laughs> but, um, that was, I think the only time I ever beat her. But anyway, I won the Aussie Champs there. So the course is really hard, um, it, but it's fun and you'll love it. If you're a strength athlete, which you are, you'll love it. It's a, I always love fair courses because there's less, less drafting. So the swim is, is in the, they say it's in the bay, but it's not that protected. It can be a little choppy. It's most likely wetsuit because it's quite cool because it's in the ocean um, and expect a little bit of chop. It can be hard to see because I remember the sun was in my eyes and we went completely off course the first year. So um, definitely go out and practice the course the day before. Uh, the bike, you go straight at a transition, straight up a massive climb. So I would make sure you're definitely in your small ring. Um, definitely be practicing swim to bike bricks like Siri does all the time with her guys and my guys. I'd start start doing swim to bike bricks. Um, and the mechanical, you don't want to have another mechanical because I read you had a mechanical. Um, make sure that you've really tested like dropping the chain on and off um, the day before or the two days before up out of that hill because you just never know. Like sometimes your chain can just drop for no reason. But I think just practicing that gearing because you may want to go like – I don't know, towards the back of the of the cogs, like the 12, or sorry, the 13, 14, 15, but then you're going to go straight up to this really steep kicker of a hill and it just keeps going and going and going. So it's undulating. But the first part is probably five minutes of climbing. So I would just practice it nice and easy um, a couple of days before, probably not the day before, but a couple of days before. And uh, do a lot of swim to bikes where you're going into big gear work and Siri does that yeah. with her guys. You do a time trial swim, like even if it's a thousand hard and then straight into a minute hard, a minute easy or even just a five minute big gear grind at like 70, 75 awesome. tons would yeah. be a great practice for that just to get the legs used to it. Um, and the bike's very undulating so always using your gears, have really good gear ratios. Um, I would be like a 53, 39 for sure and you probably don't really need like an 11 on the back because there's it's very, very windy and you, it, I don't can't imagine you being um, having to need to use that. There's not a lot of flat sections. Um, the run is, sorry to keep talking, Siri. Um, the run is flat, but I know they include a big hill as well because we did it twice on, on uh, the year I did it. It might have changed now, I'm not sure. But I think I'm pretty sure the run has a very big hill in it too on both laps. So definitely get some strength work in on the run. Probably good to do some and strength work, work at the end of the run. Um, like if you're doing a long run, I'd add in like a 10 minute, like 6% hill. Um, just at the end of a long run, just to get your body used to it, then it's used to it. And honestly, it works because you're going to go, oh, Great idea. I practice this in training, like as a 10 minute climb at the end of each lap. So do your Great hour idea. and a half run at a 10 minute climb or do your two hour long run. No, it's a 70.3. So at the end of your hour and a half run, do a 10 minute hill awesome. climb under fatigue. That's, That's a great, great idea. Great idea. And practice. I would say like races can be won and lost or you can, you know, lose or gain 10 minutes. Um, 
by bad technique. Mm -hmm. You want to work your uphill run technique, your downhill run technique. (laughs) And the thing too, when you're efficient with your technique, with your form, you're gonna save so much energy. And therefore you're gonna have a much faster run time at the end of the day, a much more comfortable run than you would have if you're not thinking about how can I be most efficient running up this hill and how can I be most efficient running down. So we have a lot of videos on that stuff. Make sure you watch those. They're oh, super helpful. One. We just posted yeah. one the I'll other day. I'll try and post another one. Let me write, um, make a note of that. But work on that uphill downhill run form. It will, you know, whether you're racing to win, it will see you running a lot quicker. Or if you're racing to feel good and you want to enjoy it, you'll have so much of a better, more enjoyable run if you're running with good technique on the uphills and the downhills. So yep. either way. Great question. But yeah, that, you'll love do. that course. It's spectator friendly. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So have, have fun. And any more questions, let us know about the course because I do know it really well. Any other questions, you guys? Let's see. Let's see. Can't see any. I know I'm trying to comment at the same time. Uh, Carrie's on. Hi, Carrie. Yeah. Love you, Carrie. Sarah. No, can't see any more questions. So we're going to give it a couple of minutes. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else anyone asked. Oh, wetsuit. Someone was asking me tips about getting wetsuit on and off. Um, Siri was the gun at transitions in ITU. She'd come out of the water last sometimes or into transition. Oh, I was always in a rush to catch back up. She always had the crappy bike transition spot. That's why. But I think um, the wetsuit thing's good. Like Liz Blatchford actually told me this, and I think it's a great trick. You put oil on your arms, like all the way up your arms, and especially your shoulders. Like put baby oil on your shoulders. Siri used cooking spray. I didn't really like the smell of that. Yeah, Pam cooking spray I didn't like the smell of that. But baby oil works good because it's more slippery. But put baby oil on your shoulders um, and on your neck to stop that bloody chafing. I remember I was in a plane and a lady looked at me funny because it looked like I'd tried to hang myself because it was all chafed all on the back of my neck. And she was like, are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. And I realized it was just like, that's exactly what looked like rope burn. So oh, get um, Glide. What's so that awesome, awesome stuff we use? Goo. Rungu. We can use that on your neck. Rungu. Yeah. Awesome. And then, um, or Vaseline and baby oil on your shoulders. That gets a wetsuit. It stops it from sticking. That's to help it with the swimming part. It won't fatigue your shoulders as much. And then on and off, get a plastic bag on your arm. Pull it on with a plastic bag all the way up. Plastic bag on your feet. Put the wetsuit on. Put it through your feet. Give yourself a big camel toe like Siri had in her first race right up like and make sure you've gathered up and you've got gathering in your shoulders because when you dive in, it's going to come down. So I always gather right up here and make someone like really pull it up and give me a big camel toe and pull my wets right up above my calf muscle. And, and you're I'd missing a it. very important part. So that's freaking I'd awesome. Cut it, I actually would cut it on your calf muscle and have it just below it, just below your calf muscle. Yeah, that was all brilliant, guys. Absolutely brilliant. Let me put the cherry on top of this ice Wait, cream. Let me sundae. see. I'm trying to think if I missed it. Let me put the cherry on top of you, this you, ice oil cream. Oil on your wrists and your ankles, sundae. and oil on the outside of the wetsuit, so people can't. They slip when they try to grab your well, legs. Well, no, well, that's. I guess that works, oh. guys. So, I where Beck said baby oil. I would use Pam cooking spray. Either works. It worked for both of us. <laughs> After the wetsuit is on. Then you spray the outside of your whole wetsuit. I would spray the whole entire outside of my wetsuit for the number one reason that when you pull the arms off, it slides oil against oil. Um, When you're pulling the legs off, it's sliding, you know, the spray, the oily spray against oily spray, and it literally just slides off. Not just that. If somebody does try to grab your wet, grab and pull you down, they're going to get greasy hands yeah <laughs> um 
Yeah. That I, was a cherry. I used to always have like, I, that's what I was, I told you that's what I missed. I knew I'd miss something. Yeah. There but, you go. But that's always awesome. stuck on my calves. Like, like yeah. you know how well, big your they calves are. are like, like freaking, bloody hell. Like, they, you your calves it, look like a swim buoy. But that's I would come out, are. pull it down, pull it down to your waist, and then step on it. Like, pull it right yeah, down to your it. calves and then step on it as you're putting your helmet on. Step on your wetsuit. Keep stepping on it and pulling it. Yeah. Putting your helmet and stuff on yeah. it. So, awesome, guys. I hope yeah, that yeah. helps. Guys, we adore you all. Let's have an amazing week in our lives. Mindset is everything. You can look at your problems and focus on those, or you can focus on your solutions. You can focus on what's going terrible, or you can focus on what's going great. You can focus on what you don't have, or you can focus on what you have. Your focus will determine your experience of your everyday life. So choose to empower yourself. Choose to be happy. Choose to take on a mindset and attitude that is going to serve you and allow you to be the best you that you're capable of being every single day. Beck's going like this. So. I was like, keep talking, keep yeah. talking. Okay. So I want to do something real quick. So guys, um, I'm going to actually post uh, probably tomorrow on the team page a little exercise. I actually did it myself today. I know it's a little late, but it was kind of a mm -hmm. recap of mm -hmm. 2018. Not a recap, but really kind of questions that you have to think about the answers. And it was a really amazing way to kind of celebrate any victories you had in 2018, celebrate what you learned, celebrate perhaps something that you overcame, um, and then setting you up for an incredible 2019. I know it's February, but I think it would be a really valuable lesson. I just did it today. It was super powerful, and I want to share it with all of you. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, I was going to just sneakily add our little thing for you guys to share on your Facebook if you can. I'm going to add it right now um, as we leave, so please don't for a few more minutes. But I'm just going to add a little link that I'd love you guys to share on your Facebook if you'd like to support. Um, the, the, if you'd like to help us put an end to, to horses being shipped to slaughter, we'd love your help by posting that on your Facebook. Facebook. We love you. We, we love, love you guys. Be brave. Be you. We love you. Thank you. Mary, come when you missed it. Please rewind it. Love you. Bye, guys.